Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, April 9th. Purity, innocence, and an absence of selfish motive. These together form, form a diadem more brilliant than that displayed on any emperor's brow. It's a really beautiful thought, isn't it? Purity, innocence, and lack of selfish motive. Um, these are not, <laughs> they're almost comically unmodern. Who talks about purity and innocence as good ideas? In the fundamentalist Christian movement, they have this huge movement about purity, but it entirely means sexual abstinence. And you know, to be a virgin until you're married is the purity movement, but I, with all due respect, I think that's an extremely narrow definition of purity. I don't think virginity before marriage necessarily means that you have a pure heart, or the lack of it means that you don't. But that's a whole different question which I'm not going to take up. I'm just going to say it's a different discussion. But ex with that notable exception, um, and, and I, it's not that I don't um, admire the effort. I think it's, I think the emphasis is uh, a little distorted. It, it puts too much importance on one aspect of life and not sufficient balance, that would be what I would say. Since I have brought it up, I have to finish my sentence. But with that exception, purity and innocence are not ideas that are well respected. We don't, we don't see any, any modern magazines talking about anything like that. Just nobody even thinks about it. But these actually have much deeper meanings, um, which is why I was taking exception to the, to the word, to the use of the word to the extent it is used. Purity in this context is relating to what Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I mean, that's quite an extreme promise. And what he's really talking about is blessed are those who realize their true nature and repudiate everything that does not really belong to us as children of God. Now, the, the concept of purity in itself is a very interesting one because what it means is that, the, well, I was going to say the, the true nature of something. I have gold on my ring here. And I actually heard somewhere recently that, you know, all the gold that's ever been mined in the whole history of the world is actually a relatively very small amount because gold always maintains its own nature no matter what happens what the gold that's now in my ring may have been before, I have no idea. But once it's melted down and put back into a new form, it always remains gold. This very ring with the gold and the emerald stone in it, it could be buried under the earth for a hundred years. It could just be in the bare ground, and when it's pulled up, it'll still be gold, and as soon as you wash the mud off, you realize that the gold has never been, been tainted or changed. It may have been covered, it may even have been hidden, but it never lost its own actual nature. So when we're talking about purity in, this, in any sense that relates to our divine nature, 
what we're talking about is that we descended from the spirit to play in the confusion of human life. And this is also exactly the opposite of what a lot of traditional Western theology says, where we're, we're actually, we, we came up from the dirt and only by the grace of God is that dirt removed. It is completely the opposite. It just has to be said out loud. It's a completely opposite. The Sanatana Dharma, the self-realization approach is, I am, I have always been the untouched, absolute, pure spirit, but I have clothed myself in many layers of false, false identification, just as this ring could be buried deep underground, many layers could be between the, the gold and my capacity to see it, but none of those layers will change the essential nature of the gold. So purity of spirit is to know ourselves to be a child of God and to, to live in that realization even if we make error after error and we, we fall into confusion. A friend of mine had a, a very serious drug problem for a period of time. After he'd come on the spiritual path, he still persisted in his drug use for a very long time. His story is written up in, um, I'm not sure whether it's my book, uh, Loved and Protected, which is stories of miracles and answered prayers, or Swami Kriyanand as we've known him. I'm not sure, both of them are stories. I think it's Loved and Protected. He says, you may think it's impossible to be a disciple of a great master and a drug addict at the same time. He said, but I'll tell you, they go together. They can go together. Because even though he was struggling very hard against something that was not in his best interest, spiritually, physically, emotionally, he never gave up on himself. He, he, was, he was pure in his heart in that he always knew that he belonged to God and that God loved him. And that belief that God loved him and that Master, his guru, loved him no matter what is what eventually pulled him out of it because he never forgot that he was gold. He was covered over with this confusion of addiction and all the things that spin out from that, but in his heart he was pure. Odd, isn't it? But that's what we're really talking about. Now, of course, it's better, it's better because it's more happiness-producing um, if one can live in that state of awareness rather than lose it under layers of, of debris. It's nicer to be able to have this ring on my hand than to have it lost somewhere in the backyard, you know, only to be excavated 300 years from now when somebody puts a new house here and will find my lost ring. It's better for, for me not to lose contact with it. It's better for us not to lose contact with who we are. But if we have that essential purity of heart or can recapture that purity of heart, that's the story of Mary Magdalene in the Bible. She was a well-known, very successful courtesan. And, you know, she did not live the, the, the pure life the way it would be normally defined. But there was something in her that, that held on to her true nature because Jesus was able to touch her and awaken that immediately. And that, that's who we want to be. We want to never forget that God loves us. And if the challenge to remembering that is greater, then the shining light of that purity can also be greater. Whereas someone who might have been able to hold rigidly to a certain standard of behavior, 
may actually be living in great fear of God with very little faith in their own divinity. You can see how different it is. They may have lost contact completely with the pure gold of their nature and just have pasted on this behavior um, that they're fighting so hard to keep. That may be better than the alternative for them. I'm not going to judge, but it's not the same. The word innocence is also another very interesting word that we never use. But innocence is, again, I'll refer to the Bible, suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And innocence also, the innocence is also the, it's it's the same faith that God loves me. That's what the innocence is. You see the innocence of a baby, but if you know about reincarnation, there's nothing inherently innocent about that baby's spirit. Could be a, a carried over murderer. Master tells an odd story of somebody presenting their lovingly presenting their newborn and putting their newborn baby into Master's arms, and he said he almost dropped the baby, because when he looked at the baby, what he saw was, as he put it, the carried over consciousness of a murderer. That this was no innocent babe. This was just a, a person in a small body, but the consciousness of the person was not innocent. Now, of course, there is a certain innocence to children just because mm, karmically we get a little bit of a holiday from responsibility for our consciousness during that period of time. But uh, we don't really get a holiday. We just are who we are. We are limited in our ability to express it. And so, therefore, we have a certain freedom. That's what the freedom is. The freedom is our confinement, that we, we can't be everything that we are. We get a a little break from being everything that we are. And then as we grow, and it depends on how strong the karma is, how quickly you know our nature begins to assert itself for positive or negative. But, but coming back to, there is an innocence to children. They're just this delight in the smallest things. You give them a, a to- an expensive toy, and they're more interested in the box than the toy, because they're innocent of all these conflicting values in the world. They'll play with a, a, a gold coin and they'll uh, you know, play with a piece of coal. The coal might be more fun because it spreads all that blackness everywhere, which is so much fun to work with. The gold coin is shiny, but their value system will just be based on no, no um, uh, calculation about their own advantage. You see, that's what innocence is, and it ties into the lack of selfish motive. Innocence is just this, this acceptance of creation as God has made it, acceptance of my life as God has given it to me, and this faith that God is taking care of me. The innocence of a child, ideally, is the confidence that my mother's going to take care of me. My father said this was going to be okay, so it will be okay. These are ideals. Not everyone gets to live them in human life, but that's what the innocence is. I remember as a child, I was a small child, and my father was a big, a bigger man. And sometimes we'd go out for the evening or on a car trip, and if I was too sleepy to walk into the house, he would carry me in. And sometimes I would pretend to be too sleepy, because I loved to have my father carry me. I felt very safe. He was big, he was strong, he, he held me with a great deal of the pure love of a father. And I just loved to have him carry me in. I mean, that was just the, and I would just surrender completely in complete innocent trust in his arms. I was very fortunate to have had that kind of relationship with my father growing up. 
just this complete innocent trust. If my father's carrying me, I won't be dropped and I'm safe. The reason that we have that even as a symbol, whether we have it in actual life or just as an ideal that we can look to, is because that's how we have to relate to God the Father. Just why, why am I tense? Why am I so anxiously trying to run my life? Why don't I just curl up in my Father's arms and let Him carry me? Now, I may have to take more adult action as I grow up. You know, I might be asked to make certain decisions and take certain actions. But inside my heart, I can always hold that same innocence, you know, to dear beloved Father. I am acting as I feel guided by you to, to make me act. You know, guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path and everything. And I surrender. I surrender the results. In the Bhagavad Gita, they call that nishkam karma, action without desire for the fruits of action. And that's the innocence we want. Swami says there's the innocence of a child and there's the innocence of a sage. And both purity and innocence, we're not looking for the innocence or the purity of a child where the child has not yet been tested, where his consciousness has not yet been challenged by the difficulties of this world. But the purity and the innocence of a sage is when he or she has seen what this world has had to offer, has faced into it, and has triumphed. And Swami says there's nothing, there's no plastic surgery, there's no beautiful jewelry, there's no cosmetics, there's nothing that can make a person shine with, with the, the true light that comes out of that kind of character. And then Swami adds to this an absence of selfish motive. Just a desire, I am a part of a greater reality, and if I take my happiness at the expense of yours, it's no happiness for me. I must behave appropriately. If your, if your requests of me are not appropriate, I, I shouldn't be a doormat for your wrong thinking. But that's not selfish motive. That's wanting the best for everyone. Wanting to live not by what's easy, but by what is true. And this is what Swamiji is asking us to strive to attain. Purity, innocence, and an absence of selfish motive, these together form a diadem more brilliant than that displayed on any emperor's brow. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.